All right, Josh. How are you doing, yeah, Hassan? Good. Yeah, it was a good conversation today, wasn't it? It was a very good conversation. Actually, really, really meaningful. We talked about stress and burnout and how that plays out and what people can do within their organization and the people that they care about. Yeah, and um, I talked about it at a very personal level, how it has been impacting me, but also, you know, um, demonstrating that it shows up in people in different ways. Yeah. Um, and then we just, we really looked at some statistics around poverty and um, doesn't often get talked about because it's a headline for a, for, for, for a couple of days in the media and then it disappears. And we wanted to have a real deep conversation about, um, you know, the people who are living below the poverty line, which is quite a significant number in our country and it's unacceptable. Yeah, and it, it really was a, a, a passionate, it was a very passionate end actually to the podcast um, and needed. And, you know, I, at one point you said, if people are un uncomfortable listening to this, good. Yeah. And that's kind of where the conversation went. So have a listen. Come and join us in the community at 115 Miles Pod on Instagram. And as ever, leave us a review. Hope you enjoy this episode. This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Khan. Growing up 115 miles apart, our lives couldn't have been more different, but we find ourselves today with many similarities and outlooks upon life. Join us on our podcast as we take a topical dive into life, work, culture, and everything in between. Josh. Hassan. I do the same intro every time. And I and say I, your name in that, I never call you Hassan, and I do that weird Hassan yeah. at the beginning of every podcast, but here we are. We are together again. We are back in the studio. Um, there's a reoccurring theme here that's when it's your week to uh, pull together what we're going to discuss. You seem to be able to be available to come to the studio. <laughs> when it's mine, we're on Zoom. It's all about uh, how good the content can be on video when we're in the room. It's about self-preservation. Huh? Promotion, promotion, yeah. Self-promotion, yeah. Um, cue awkward eye contact. I think we may be better than last time. Well, we just had breakfast as well, didn't we? So yeah. I was sort of, <laughs> I was consciously there thinking, do the eye contact thing to get it out of the way. Uh, but I feel awkward now, so I'm not looking Because <laughs> I brought it. Because I brought attention to and, it. Yeah, and you're doing like a very fixed stare. <laughs> <on my laughs> the well, I've had a lot of practice with it. Um, so uh, I wanted to start a bit differently, as usual. So I wanted to ask you, what's your best moment of last week? My best moment of last week. Um, what happened last week? I I actually had a very topsy turvy uh, week last week. Um, in that, I, I think I was I was back from holiday and stuff like that, and I was back into the week. Um, but I'll tell you the best one. I did a thirty-minute weekly pep talk for Pep Talk, um, and it was the most attended one they've ever done. So that was a real highlight for me. Yeah, that's brilliant. What did you talk about? Uh, it was a twenty-minute talk with ten-minute questions, and in that twenty minutes, I shared like a little bit of. Um, my understanding of resilience, you know, trying to get people to look at it in a new way. Uh, and then I gave them three, three key takeaways uh, for emotional well-being. What is Pep Talk? Pep Talk is um, an organization where you can order a Pep Talk for your company. So you can order literally a talk from like 10 minutes up to like two hours. Um, and I'm amongst good company there. Do you know what's really funny? Uh, I don't know why I asked it to you like I'm interviewing you for a new show because <laughs> I introduced you to them and uh, Pep Talk was uh, my mate Darren works there and set up by two guys I used to work with and yeah. Lloyd. So. Well, you're just learning the ropes as a podcaster, mate. You're bringing the listeners in. Learning the ropes. I'm an OG now. Okay, mate. We started podcasting at the same time. I made Actually, you. you were being interviewed a lot earlier than me, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've shown you the ropes, mate, over the last year and a half. Yeah, I appreciate that. So what else has been going on? You, you obviously, you had the crash landing of coming back from holiday back into the back into the real world the rhythm uh yeah and i'm fully back into the rhythm now uh in a you i've launched uh not launched but i've the date set for the next my next online six-week program that's going to be in january and uh sign up starts on the 29th of november so get involved people if you're listening 
This is good. What else can I share? You're just, you're just plugging basically <laughs> your services. <laughs> Tell me your highlight of last week, your best moment last week. Um, my best moment of last week uh, was discovering that my son is not uh, a tone deaf singer. What, he can actually sing? Man, for, for his first nine years, he's, he's really struggled to hold a note. And then there's a song that he keeps singing on repeat. What is it? I don't, I don't know the sing song. It. Come on, mate. Uh, no, I'm not going to sing it. Because <laughs> he, he gets his tone deafness from someone. And <laughs> it's, not, uh, it's not his mum. And actually, it was lovely because actually he's got a, he's got a very sweet voice, and we just had a little joke about how I always thought he was you know really bad singer, and now he isn't. So that was the highlight of last week for me. Is it a good voice though? Because my mum used to say that I've got a good singing voice. Yeah, no, it's it's basically not as bad as because <laughs> you know like when people go on X Factor and that. And Simon Cowell used to say, "Record yourself," because if your mum's told you you're good, it doesn't yeah. mean you're good. Record yourself and you listen know, it back. I, I think the bar is is basically set at can you do karaoke. <laughs> And if you can do karaoke and get stuck in and involved, then um, then I think you're right. But here's another thing. Um, I think he has picked up my genes for, and we may have talked about this on the podcast before, but I have a really, really, really dangerously bad inability to remember song lyrics. Right. Um, I don't know if we have talked about it. I don't oh, remember. Okay, okay. Um, I just can't. I, can, I have been listening to some songs, like all of... Um, Six years, yeah, 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 70, 80 years. Lots of Foo Fighters tracks for 20 years or whatever. And I just can't remember. Like, I remember the chorus and bits, but then I just, yeah, I'm that embarrassing guy that like is singing along at a concert and just gets the words all wrong. (laughs) Anyway, so the point is, my daughters have picked up the ability to remember song lyrics, particularly my oldest. But I think Robin's like, unfortunately, he's oh, watch this space. 10 years time, we could have the next, um, failure on, uh, <laughs> Prince, Prince <laughs> the next talent. failure on Britain's Got now, Talent. I, I reckon he'll be like a quiet, um, like lead guitarist. All right, cool. My daughter's learning the drums. She's five and learning the drums, mate. And, and liking them. Let me ask you this. Um, do you do fireworks night? We don't do fireworks. We didn't do fireworks night, but we've just, Got okay. a dog. Got the dog, yeah. Have you got a dog, mate? <laughs> <laughs> I, I promise you I'm not going to talk about uh, the dog today. I don't normally like fireworks, but we went to some display this year and it was really, really good. And for some reason, I really, really enjoyed it. But there's a growing trend, isn't there, of like slating fireworks because they're not good. They're cruel to animals and dogs and stuff. And bad for the environment as well? Don't know. Don't know about that, mate. Yeah. Are they? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you'd, you'd imagine that they are, right? I don't know. They're all in cardboard, aren't they? Uh, yeah. But so sure no, they're, they're not. Okay, so they're good for the environment. <laughs> Brilliant. That's all, it. all right. Okay, cool. So um, I want to talk about overwhelm. Okay. Oh, you put your your your, your bottle down very forcefully. <laughs> yeah, I, this is my domain. This is my domain. <laughs> um, the reason I want to talk about it is because I've been feeling overwhelmed lately. Okay. And more people are hearing about it now on this podcast than I've talked about to anyone. Yeah, I haven't heard it. Even you. Even me, yeah. No, I didn't. Although I knew it. I'll throw that in there. We'll come come in to that in a minute. Um, Because my overwhelm shows up in a different way to other people, I think, Mm -hmm. which is that my resilience goes into overdrive. Mm-hmm. So when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I actually work harder yeah. or longer, not smarter. Like I definitely, yeah, yeah. you know, um, and what I tend to do is not talk about it. Yeah. So when people are trying to be generous and lean in and give space, I actually sort of run. Yeah. I, I withdraw. Yeah. And um, the other thing that happens is my, is my narrative goes up. Mm. Right, like my stories, like I, I can feel it only up when I get to that point, mm. when I can start feeling myself pointing at other people, going, "Oh, why aren't you doing this? Or why aren't you doing that?" Or you start looking at other people, and you know, it's a bit like that sort of um, Facebook syndrome back in the day, where you used to look at how perfect someone else's life is mm. versus yours. And um, I, yeah, you know, and I realised I need a break. Mm. Um, uh, 
and I can take a break. I'll, I'll find a way to take a break and, uh, you know, I run my own business. So, you know, if I really needed to, I could just say tomorrow, I could clear my diary and, you know. So, but it got me thinking about um, big companies, big organizations. Mm. And like, if I'm feeling overwhelmed and I have a good team around me that will support me, um, how do how do people deal with overwhelm when you don't really have the choice mm. and you just got to keep going? Well, look, let me just firstly say, you just said something there that you've like, for me, you said, um, if I'm overwhelmed, I've got a good team around me that can support me. That's irrelevant if you don't let them do it, which, which you clearly haven't yeah. been letting them do it. So yeah. it's irrelevant. So, uh, in some ways, you're no different to somebody that doesn't have it. No, let me let me challenge that actually, because when I, I say um, I don't let people in, it's like it's not like I just um, pretend it's not happening. I will say, oh look, I'm really, um, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling tired. Like I've been, you know, I'm not a martyr. Like that that definitely happens. Um, and the team does sort of step in, and and if I say right, I'm taking this time. Yeah. Out. Where I sort of hold my bay is I I I take total responsibility for myself mm. and actually when people are saying look just take a day out what are you doing next week i'll be like don't worry about that all right let's move on to business yeah so i am not you know i agree i'm not letting them in but they do you know they do start there's an awareness they make you kind of aware that 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 they're there if you need it yeah exactly yeah. so to bring it to the question that you said like um what about the people that can't do that right I think this is one of the things when I've done a lot of round, because I do a lot of like stress and burnout talks. I work with a lot of organizations that are coming in and saying, Oh, you're plugging the <laughs> Come on, man. Give it a rest. And you can book me if you need me. Um, no, but but um, a lot of people, because I go and do the research. I, I, I think to myself, what are other people doing in this space? Right. And I think like with a lot of things, there's a lot of like pointing away, saying that your behavior needs to change telling other people. So there's a lot of like telling big successful organizations that are big and successful because they bite down and push really hard and you know, go to the limits, right? Um, and that's, you, you can't then tell them you need to reduce stress, right? By reducing the kind of workload necessarily and stuff like that. There are, of course, organizations that are clearly where you think, look, you could do certain things here, but they're not doing them. But like, particularly when you work with like agencies, for example, that, 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 that environment is fast paced, it is high stressed, right? It is. So it comes down to um, what can you do for yourself? And what commitments are you making around um, your busy work life? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, look, I always bring in, I've, I've used it before on this podcast, but the whole brushing your teeth thing, yeah? Yeah. Right? You haven't been too busy to brush your teeth for yeah. the last, I would hope, right? For the yeah. last one. So you find time to do it. Yeah. And the same has I to be I might challenge that for a minute. Just, it's only just popped into my head. Go right. Um, so uh, when when they're developing um, sort of uh, tech products, um, there's this notion that they talk about, which is vitamins and painkillers, right? right. And uh, a vitamin... It, when you're developing a product, a painkiller serves a problem, fix it, therefore you're gonna have a, a, an instant need and it, you should be able to kind of sell it. A vitamin is like, oh, I'll take it when I, uh, when yeah. I have. Brushing your teeth is more like a painkiller than a, vi a vitamin, because if you don't, it's not like you're, you're not just getting well. If you stop brushing your teeth, your breath's gonna stink, the teeth are gonna get yellow. Yeah, but know. surely that's a vitamin. It's not though, because like, like in the Go day- Go and having your teeth whitened, Surely that's a painkiller, but a daily practice. No, that's a that's a vitamin. Like that's cosmetic. That's like I'll get to it if I've got the money. If it's a nice to have. I, oh, okay. I'm I've, look, I'm look, looking look, at the analogy yeah, wrong. Yeah, I'm looking at vitamins as prevention uh, and uh, yeah, painkillers as stopping. What you're that's saying vitamins is vitamins is like a nice to have. It's additive. When okay. You're in, we're in we're in a good space and you know and a painkiller yeah, yeah. is needed. And I I, I like the, the brushing teeth. You're absolutely right. Like you you wouldn't forget to do it. So you shouldn't you know you shouldn't kind of. Um, not do the other things in the same way. But I think that's why maybe sometimes people don't prioritize the well-being and mental health because a bit like me, I know I need to take a break. I know it. I'm, I'm rational enough. And 
I thought twice about bringing this topic up today because outside of podcasting, I spent my whole life coaching others to do it. Yeah. And I probably project that I'm very good at it. Yeah. Right? And I want to say that actually, I want to actually say to people, it's hard. It's not easy. No, and, it, and, and this is the thing. So um, I did it yesterday, right? And this is coincidence. You know, we don't plan this at all. But uh, my wife said to me yesterday, can you come and pick... Do you want to come and pick Shay up from school? Now, Shay goes to preschool, so she finishes at 12 in the middle of the day. So I, I'm, I'm pretty good at picking up Maya, who finishes at three, because yeah. I kind of think, right, I'll get everything done by five to three, and then I can go and do it. Shay's in the middle of the day, so yeah. she often gets missed. My wife said, come and pick her up. I said, I can't today. I can't. Um, and I couldn't, right? I was too busy. She was like, make sure you make time for Shay in the same way that you do Maya, yeah? I was like, all right, I'll come. And I was talking to my wife about it last night, right? And we had a conversation about it last time we were recording here when we went for that crap breakfast that you took me for afterwards. Um, that you paid for? Uh, that I paid for, yeah. Thanks. Uh, and it was awful. Um, and I said to you, if, we've got, if you've got time to scroll through social media yeah. for 45 minutes, right? And do away and find time to make that up. You've got time to take 45 minutes to go and put your kids up from school. And we were both like, fucking hell, yeah, that's like really true. Um, if you start to recognize the importance of looking after yourself, if you think about a busy working day that you had, uh, if there was a spanner thrown in the works where, I don't know, an important client rang you out of the blue and you ended up having a conversation with them for half an hour, it wouldn't be catastrophic to you. You'd mm -hmm. find a way to make it work. Mm -hmm. So why can't you do the same for your well-being? Mm -hmm. True. Right, so you, 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 this thing of time, like you can, we can make and carve time out. We can do it. I actually think when we talk about not having time, that's an excuse and it's nothing to do with that. Not necessarily a conscious excuse, subconsciously. Um, you know, you said, I didn't really want to talk about it on here. Probably not just, and I'm guessing here, but not just because you, you coach people into doing it, but also because now I'm facing it. Yep. And I ain't going to be able to leave this podcast now without making sure that I do something about it. Yeah. Right. The, the truth is, coming in, I've already made a decision to do something about it. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm the kind of person that, as you know me well, is like I reflect on something and then I make a call and then I'm ready. Um, but actually, it's been building a little while. And I'll sort of say that even, um, you know, one of the things for me is <clears throat> in these moments where resilience is going into overdrive, um, all I'm doing is working and in my mind, providing, providing for my family, providing for my, you know, my crew. And that's, mm. that, that's it. I'm in kicking into survival mode. So when we had a little, when you sort of, you know, outed me about not doing exercise uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was a joke and I laugh about it and you know, um, it's true. And um, the stuckness was related to me just deprioritizing everything in pursuit of just working to the point that I was like, I've been sitting with my laptop just in front of you know the TV, all the stuff I do coach against because I've been like, oh, I've got to get this done. I've got to get to get what drove, else done. What was driving that? Uh, workload. Um, unrealistic demands and then um for me uh w one of my drainers so i talk about strengths and drains one of my drainers is efficiency mm. so i i don't get energized by um and you know by working in the most um kind of sequential and kind of yeah, ordered manner because part of my kind of uh creative side of my brain is that it needs to procrastinate and and and, and learn so so therefore I probably could get stuff done if I if I drove up my sort of you know um, uh, you know my my strategies around dealing with my drainer around efficiency. Um, but the thing about um, what you were saying about you know you can't look to others to you've got to do it yourself. I agree totally. Like I didn't say that. What did you say? I didn't say that. I said uh, you need. I was saying you need to be able to carve time out for yourself. You need to be able to do that. Um, that's different to saying you can't expect others to do it. I think I think what I was hearing from you was around, um, 
you 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 have to sort of take your personal accountability for your time, for your energy, for your well-being. Yeah. And so you were talking about organizations can't necessarily, you know, if you're say in a fast-paced environment, yeah, they can't adjust for you, you know, yeah. if you don't take the accountability. Was yeah, that, yeah, yeah, was yeah. That correct? Okay. Now, I, they, they can adjust, right? It's nuanced, right? But okay. we can't expect them to stop being Fixed. a fast-paced environment. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say there's an and rather than an or there, because I think there is also a responsibility for the organizations to, to operate differently than they have done. So the thing about, like you brought up agencies, I've spent a lot of time in agencies myself mm -hmm. and I work with agencies. Um, and agencies are fundamentally, their ecosystem is driven by uh, demands outside of their control, right? So yeah. it might be, you know, their clients their and their clients and their stakeholders and, and kind of, you know, their shareholders and stuff like that. So it's always been a service industry and any service industry is based on the demands of other people outside yeah. of your control, your customers. And so f for years it was, it was built as a, you know, time for money model. So um, basically you just end up creating this culture of having to do long hours, having to work in a particular way. You work until it's done, you do weekends, you do, and, th and part of it was thrilling, you know, like, yeah pulling an all night uh you know going in the weekend and then you see that you see your work on tv and it's like you know you, the, but it was masking an ill you know um which is like the expectation was much higher um of the more junior people who have less choice than the more senior people and that's a bit of a theme in terms of where i'm going today around choice um so I think it's both. I think it's, um, but it starts with, it st always starts with self. When we talk about, you know, to put your own oxygen mask on first, you, you have to start taking accountability. So like you said, with my team, with you, like everyone around me, I've got amazing people around me, but unless I start to take the accountability first, yeah, uh, you know, it change isn't gonna happen that's gonna be sustainable. Um, but in terms of organizations, I also think there's a responsibility to kind of to, to, to look deeper than the surface level, because the reason I wanted to bring up me being overwhelmed is you said I didn't really know. But you said, you know, like, but because we spend a lot of time with each other, you were probably seeing signals. Right. Mm. But but my burnout for, for the untrained eye, my burnout is just working hard, diligent, yeah. efficient, don't complain too much. Yeah. And so it's okay because I'm in a small environment and I'm, I'm self-assured enough. I'm, I've got gray hairs and losing most of my hair on top. I'm okay with that, <laughs> even though you try and make fun of me all the time. But I'm okay with it because yeah. I've, you know, I've, I've been through some journeys um, in, in life. But when uh, uh, that sort of uh, different behaviors shop in the workplace, leaders aren't seeing burnout and stress. Mm. And so you've got this epidemic that's bubbling. I think mental health, burnout, well, well-being, um, lack of kind of understanding around well-being is, is a massive epidemic. Mm. And let me just tell you some stats, actually. So this is from um, uh, a big HR consultancy called CIPHR. I, I think they're trying to call themselves Cypher. Um, um, <laughs> um, women experience um, stress more frequently than men. On average, women in the UK say they feel stressed approximately 10 days each month, whereas men say they experience stress for an average seven days a month. So already there's like an imbalance mm. in, um, in, in uh, sort of, you can't look at everyone saying, oh, uh, our work impacts people in the same way. Yeah. Um, one in 14 UK adults, that's 7%, feel stressed every single day. Mm -hmm. One in five people in the UK feel stressed more days a month than they don't. Mm -hmm. the, the biggest contributors to stress, what do you think they are? Work? Yeah, no. Family? No. Uh, Money worries? Yeah. The news? <laughs> it's not that, lack of sleep. So okay. it's, a, it's, a, it's a vicious cycle, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Working really hard, you stress, you can't sleep. 23% um, say um, that work in general makes them feel stressed. And workload is in there. 18% say workload demands are another cause of stress. Mm -hmm. So it's it's big. And I think the reason I'm pointing to this is because I know a lot of leaders listen to, you know, not just leaders. I know a lot of people listen yeah. to our podcast, but also people that have um, important positions in organizations. And I want them to hear this. 
I want yeah. them to hear this. That's why I'm bringing it up because um, people don't respond in the same way to stress and burnout, but it's there, it's real. Mm. So, um, so this is like something that isn't going away and it's getting worse. So we have to do something about it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you yeah. think? What do you think to those stats? Look, I'm not surprised by the stats at all. Um, I do always try and look beyond what we're seeing because I often think that what we're seeing is not necessarily the problem, right? I think that's true in so many different instances and I don't think it's too dissimilar in this. I think the kind of overworking, as much as we try and, as much as we put it down to the systems and what you say about the responsibility of organisations, there is of course responsibility of the organisations, right? Uh, we have to understand that they're doing that, but there's lots of organisations that are doing that, that are looking at themselves um, and, and then it is the responsibility of everybody within that organization to do that themselves. So from a self-understanding point of view, you do need to understand who you become when you're stressed. You understand who you become when you're stressed, right? Um, do I think now that you've seen this and you've talked openly about this, that it won't happen again? Uh, no, I think it will happen again. And I think it will happen again in the same time period and at the same time as it would have done if you didn't talk about it. Mm. I think that's important to say. So when we say we're not very good at it, I think actually the awareness that you've got to be able to come out and say, here's what's going on, let me talk about it, is actually a much further step forward than a lot of people do. Yeah. So I think that's really, really important to say that the self-awareness that you've talked about is not common ground, right? Um, so I think that that's really important to start having these conversations, right? Because everybody's different. Everybody is different. Um, and what you're gonna need to go away and do is different to what everybody else might need to go away and do as a result of what you've been able to reflect on. I would then say that I think what drives high stress and drives high overwhelm is driven largely by the ways that we feel. And I think that um, our inability to be able to talk about process and release our emotions is what really drives stress and overwhelm. I think overworking is a symptom of that. I think the statistics that you talk about there, sleeping, all of those things, I think we often vocalize what we think is causing and driving our stress um, because we're emotionally inept. We don't know how to talk about the ways that we're feeling. So for example, uh, a few days ago, I was feeling really over, I get overwhelmed a lot all of the time, right? Uh, um, I talk about it openly. I, I get overwhelmed very, very easily. So I have to do a lot of soul searching, a lot of looking at why am I, why do I feel as overwhelmed as I am? My overwhelm, and I think this is true for, for most people, has very little to do with the present and a lot more to do with the past. So the way that I'm reacting to situations uh, is a lot more to do with the way that my body and my mind has been wired as a result of my experiences. And so I felt very overwhelmed recently. Now I could say it's because I just got back from Jamaica. I've been trying to find find my feet again. I'm getting overwhelmed with all my workload. I'm busy, I've got loads of things on. And so I feel overwhelmed. All of those things are true. Most people would listen to that and say that makes sense and they would take that. That's not why I felt overwhelmed. I felt overwhelmed predominantly because I've experienced a lot of diff difficult and tricky emotions that I've been unable to convey in the last week or so. And so instead of conveying them and uh, bringing them out, I've been pushing them down into my body, then I experience overwhelm. And I think that the same could possibly be true for, because um, you're the only example I have that's in front of me. When I asked you what was driving it and how you was making feel, you said workload, and then you gave a couple of other systematic kind of things that you did. I think if you were to, to push yourself to really go into your body, where am I feeling this? What am I feeling? I think what you would find is, is that the things that you've talked about are more reactionary to the actual thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's yeah. true. The, the workload is the manifestation of what's driving it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For yeah, sure. yeah. So, so to bring it back to the question, I know I've rattled on a little bit here, but to bring it back to the question, a lot of leaders are listening, what do we do within our organizations? We have to start creating space for people to reflect, explore, and become curious about the ways that they're feeling. That is what will drive change. And that's very simple. 
but not necessarily easy. Yeah. Right. But you have to create that space. Who do I become in my stressed state? Right. What do I look? You uh, get busy. I can become that. The, the main thing I tend to become is angry. Pump my chest out. If you listened to our podcasts back to back, if anybody's done that over time, you'll know when I'm in an overwhelmed state when we're recording a podcast. Yeah. Because I'm snappy. I talk over you a lot more. I don't really listen. Um, <laughs> That's every podcast, I, <laughs> man. Let's not pretend that it's just when you're overwhelmed. <laughs> but I'll pick a side of a debate. Yeah. I'll go with it. You definitely get ranty. And uh, I won't listen to any other thing. And I'll just move over to that side and I'll stick with it. Yeah. Um, and, and it is nearly every episode because I'm overwhelmed a lot. <laughs> Like that is yeah. the truth. Yeah. Um, but we need to understand that about ourselves and we need to be able to have that dialect where we change our mind, where we talk about things that don't necessarily make sense, where we reflect and say things that that maybe we regret and that kind of thing. That's why conversation is so important. Yeah. And the reason genuinely that I wanted to talk about this was because I want people to know that there is no there is no perfect answer no. out there. No, no. I'm a coach and I coach at a very high level, you coach, particularly in this space, yet we have to work on it. We are human and fallible and at some point it gets us all. So it's okay to just recognize that everyone's on their journey. Um, you know, the thing around, uh, there are some companies that are doing it really well and they're, uh, you know, they're creating space and time. You and I have talked about on this podcast where that tips in the other direction where you uh, people start to um, devolve their own personal accountability yeah. around it. And you and I both strongly agree that it cannot be like, you cannot save anyone, right? Yeah. You, they've got to kind of take accountability. And then it's kind of gone, gone into this gray space of what is or not permissible around um, being triggered and, you know, and being supportive as an employer. And, I, and then I think there's a lot of companies, particularly big ones who drive big initiatives that only really touch the surface level. Yeah. So they're showing that they're doing good stuff, but they're not going deep. And the whole point I wanted to bring this stuff is, is you, you can't just say, here's our employee assistance program line, call them if you need them, yeah. or have a, have a duvet day when you want one, or, and it's actually moved on a lot since then, but you know, but creating the space is really important, but seeing, yeah, seeing is really important. You know, the reason I wanted to talk about um, people, you know, show up in terms of stress and burnout in different ways is because if you're operating at pace in an organization and you're only just looking at say data points and you're not really seeing, then you've got a big problem and it isn't yours to solve. I'm not suggesting that, but it is yours to con continually strive to do better as, yeah. a, a, as an organization because you're responsible, like it or not, you're responsible for, for these people. When they come up, when they come into work, when they show up, when they're working outside of your working hours mm. on your work, you have to do more. And that's why that space is so important, right? That Because you have to slow down. You have to put, you know, how often, and you've kind of perhaps had that moment now where you've had to go, boom, put everything down, stop a minute. I'm overwhelmed. Let me look at this for a second, yeah? And so you're able to have this space where you come and do the podcast or whatever, and you reflect on it in that way. And that space is kind of created because of the small environment that you work in. If you look at the bigger scale, like you were doing, comparing yourself to the bigger scale, I would say those big organizations, they need to they need to regularly create that space, right? Yeah. That space needs to be there where we can, and you're right, online, when you look online, particularly when you look on LinkedIn, which is like virtue signal central now, right? Self-care, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> dealing with stress, it gets fetishized and sort of glamorized and like, you know, you see people just calling anything that feels good self-care and you know i'm doing and and there's all this kind of signaling out there and it's different for everybody it's different for everybody there's complexities to everybody's story so there is no one size fits all this ain't like um you know when people say mental health is like physical health it's it's nothing like it it's nothing like it you know if you get a cut on your arm there's clear procedures that are the same for everybody for what you should do with a cut on the arm. It ain't the same in this space. It is not the same. You know, and even when you, I'm uh, sorry to keep using your example, but last week, it, you know, it might not have been the right thing to do to step in and say to, to you, has stop now. I've noticed this, so you need to stop now. 
because what you were doing might have been serving the purpose to get through that until you were in a space where you were comfortable enough to take your foot off and do what you've done now. Do you, do you, do you see what yeah. I'm saying by that? Yeah. So it is complex and that's why the only thing that you can do, really, not the only thing, but for it not to be a tick boxing exercise, yeah, you need to stop, create the space and allow people to use that space when they feel comfortable. The space has to be there. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise you're not doing enough. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I wouldn't have heard it last week. Nah. And this is the thing, I kind of saw it in you and I would like send you little messages here and there, badger you, have a bit of a joke and all that. Kind of just making you aware I'm here when you're ready. But if I had messaged you and said, mate, you need to take your foot. If I'd have done that on Wednesday last week, you might not have text back saying, get fucked, you ain't got a clue how busy I am or what I'm doing. But that's what you would have thought. You would have said, you might have texted me back and said, all right, yeah, I hear you, mate. I'll bow you later or whatever. But you still would, when you were ready, you would have got to that space when you were ready. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. So, so this is why whatever's driving it that's behind it, the thing that you're doing in the moment as detrimental as it might have been, and might have been something that we wouldn't promote as for what for you to do, may have been the thing that you needed to do. Yeah, you see what I mean. Yeah. What What I'd also like to kind of point to is, um, you didn't really like. I I I, I can tell now in hindsight that you you could sense I was busy because actually you sort of just left me to it a bit more normally mm. than maybe when you're just badgering me the whole time with questions right yeah yeah yeah. Um, um but jokes aside um what you don't change is your behavior with me right so actually i think um still just checking in still like you know giving me a hard time because my you know my fantasy football team has dropped off a cliff <laughs> um and those little moments are actually just really just really what i need yeah and, and i think it's a it's a good thing to do because sometimes some people go i can see it but i don't know what to do yeah i don't know how to help my friend in this moment and I would say that actually just, just keep doing what you do, what feels intuitively right. Don't start yeah. overthinking it or guess second guessing it too much. Yeah, yeah. And just knowing that you're there, that person will 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 pick will take the baton when they're ready to do it. Yeah, exactly. That's and that's exactly. You know, and some of this stuff sounds like I don't know, cheesy or romantic, or people want fixed solutions that they can go in and use, right? But it don't work like that. It doesn't work like that. And you do, within any relationship, right? You need to, your duty is to show somebody that you're there. Mm -hmm. And the moment you step into that fixing, in these instances, again, it's the same. If I'd have crashed in and started uh, saying, Hash, you need to slow down now, mate. You're going to do it, all that kind of stuff. It, it wouldn't have been driven by a desire to help you. It yeah. would have been because what you were doing was somehow triggering something in me. Yeah. And so I had to jump in. Yeah. Yeah. And then I did have somebody say to me this week, actually, you know what? I know it's not the same as having a long break, but, you know, have you like when can you have a day off? And it was because I would made my way through it a little bit that I looked at my diary and went, oh, actually, I can next Friday. But I wasn't thinking I'm going to take next Friday out. Mm. So there is a moment sometimes where that can work. But you, you know, you've got to really sense it. You know, you've got to like understand it. Yeah, and 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 what does that come back to? That comes back to understanding yourself. Yeah. What's driving me to want to say what I'm going to say to Has here, right? Am I really feeling like this is a good opportunity, or is there something triggered in me now that wants to press a button in him? Mm. And I think ultimately, the more that you understand yourself, the best way to be there for other people is to understand yourself on a on as deep a level as you can, because then you will start to realize when you're driven by a part of yourself that is triggered in some way, and when you're driven by your intuition, right? And when you when you know when that moment's right. We didn't, I don't think we got a phone call in last week, but if we did, I might have felt in, in I might have felt and, or sensed an opportunity there, right? But you have to go with what feels right. And I do think in this area that we're talking about, it's the hardest thing for people, especially people that want clear fixes and directions. Mm. Um, and I see it, you know, with a lot of organisations that want me to come in. You know, they 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 want what's your what's your fix here? What do we need to do? And I'm like, there is no fix. There's no fix for the human condition in that way, is there? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> All right, Barry White, thank you. Yeah. <laughs>
I, 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 that's a really good podcast advice. It only pops in every so often. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so um, I'm going to read. I'm going to read you some stats for a little while. So just kind of listen and bear with okay. me. It's going to lead us somewhere. But um, I, I pulled off some um, some some stuff from the Office of National Statistics mm-hmm. from the late last bulletin. Um, the groups that were financially impacted at the start of coronavirus pandemic were still worse off up to mid-April 2021, such as the self-employed, who are three times as likely to report reduced income and twice as likely to use savings. Let's just, let's just be really clear. Self-employed isn't like thriving business owners. It's people like um, Uber cab drivers or delivery yeah. drivers, as well as people that own businesses. Right? Yeah, a lot of tradesmen as well as self-employed. Tradesmen, exactly, yeah. exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Tradespeople. Yeah, tradespeople, yeah. Um, those in the lowest income bracket, up to 10,000 per annum, continue to be the more, more likely to report negative impacts on personal well-being in comparison with those in higher brackets. So such as the coronavirus pandemic making their mental health worse, 18% and feeling stressed or anxious. So under up to 10K mm-hmm. per annum. The... Um, Those in the highest brackets, 40,000 or more, continue to be more likely to report that the coronavirus was uh, negatively impacting their working life. So it it was impacting them more in terms of work, working from home, that sort of stuff. Okay, but it's it's affecting people. So that's, you know, there's more that I could reel off. But I think that's, you know, that's that's sort of painting a picture that, you know, that people are still really struggling. But those in in the lower income households Mm -hmm. are significantly struggling Mm -hmm. here's another fact from a different source amazon tripled its profit during the past year Mm -hmm. its uk sales last year were 38 billion pounds 44 billion euros Mm -hmm. how much corporation tax did uh, amazon pay in the uk last year josh zero zero yeah um and what has the government done about that josh nothing yeah now Amazon is not the only one, right? Mm-hmm. You know, any any of the companies that you and I both enjoy, Netflix, Apple, they're all, you know, um, they've all got their own versions and then a lot of the big corporations. I'm not really, I mean, Amazon is so far out, like they have to kind of take some of the heat, but they are not alone in this. So, you know, we spent a lot of money. There's a lot of borrowing. There's a lot of debt as a result of coronavirus. Where, where's the government getting the money from? Sleezing. Well, there's sleezing. <laughs> I'm not going into sleezing today, but, um, but yes, there's, you know, there's a lot of sleezing going on. Um, they cut the universal credit by £20 a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hitting, hitting the, hardest, yeah, the yeah. hardest parts of society. That's, that's the equivalent to £87 per calendar month. Yeah. This is from The Guardian. Actually, this is Gordon Brown that wrote for The Guardian. Almost... Currently, almost 50% of families with three or more children are below the poverty line. The £20 cut to universal credit will push half a million more people into poverty. Mm. According to the Child Poverty Action Group, there will be 300,000 more children pushed into poverty, taking the child poverty rate to one in three children. Fucking hell, man. One in three children. One in three children. So so let's just let's just... Let's just kind of uh, wind back, right? So Amazon paid zero corporation tax based yeah. on the sales. Now, it isn't just, you know, I know that there will, people, there will be people here that say, well, they, 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 um, they do stimulate the economy by, you know, all the jobs that they create and stuff like that. That is true. Mm. But I have a business, you have a business, there are lots of businesses that pay their corporation tax, they pay their taxes as a result of trading. You know, they do stimulate the economy through jobs, but they are making 44 billion euros in sales in the last year. And it will be even higher, I yeah. promise you, when it when we look at it again. So um, this government hates people. Yeah. It hates its people. And yes, the sleaze is just showing that. And they are they have I think now that their comeuppance is starting to really like they've been they've been able to defend it and it's really indefensible and it's starting to show. But um this is a real, real issue for a lot of people that um, it needs to be talked about because it, it, it was a headline 
a few months ago. And guess what? The media's not talking about this anymore. Well, of course they ain't, because they benefit from it. They benefit from it, yep. right? That's why the media don't talk about it. That's why you cannot, you know, and I know it's like, uh, sort of people think it's conspiracy theorists that say things like you can't trust the mainstream media, but you can't, mm. right? You can't. Because mm. if you go on Sky News, you ain't going to see this stuff. No. You ain't going to see it because they benefit from it. And I think it, it it's an absolute disgrace the way that it is, but it comes back to us as people as well. And it comes back to us and the way in which we put pressure on our governments and when and where we put pressure on our governments. We've got to this point now where we live um, in a, such a social media world. And there's this weird thing now where like the storm on social media now sort of crosses over into real life as well. Mm. And so it's not just a storm on social media, but that becomes real life as well. Um, you see the uproar about Boris Johnson not wearing a mask in hospital yesterday. Mm. That was bigger than the uproar about this. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying there shouldn't be uproar about him not wearing a mask in hospital. I'm saying there should, right? Yeah. But why? Why is there more scandal about that than there is about one in three children in one of the richest countries in the world? Fifth largest economy. Fifth largest, yeah. And we've got one in three children living in poverty. And make no mistake, I don't know if you've got the facts there, but the percentage of those children that are living in poverty that have two working parents as well. Not that not that even should matter. Yeah. But it's a high percentage of them. Yeah. A lot of them are working for the NHS, probably. Yeah. Right. So I think it's like, we have to look at ourselves as people and we have to start saying uh, like, is this okay? However, however, we live in this capitalist society that we live in, right? And we have as a body of people become quite obsessed with that. I think we're overly addicted to that stuff. So I don't know where my ramblings take me. When, like, when I'll tell you what I will say. When you were reading them stats out, I have to like, I just want to start ranting yeah, and I, swearing I, I, and I, getting angry I was, about I, it. I was aware that that might be a possibility, but actually I haven't even, I haven't even finished. I mean, it, it's not new. We know that, we know that corporations... Um, avoid mm. tax, right? And it's not new, and it's not just Amazon, as I said. But um, I'm not really. I I have got a target on them, um, but I also have got a target on this government. You yeah. know, th apparently a quarter. I've just read this, um, the headline today. A quarter of all Tory ministers earn five million or more in outside interests. <laughs> So, so this isn't just this. There's no, there's no um, virtuosity in in being a politician. It isn't a calling. It's a way to earn money and power. And it's, power. It's a way to live with power and money. And this is the thing, you know. Off, off of COVID, like anything else, rich people get richer. Well, it's the same with it's the same with like war. Yeah, and all of that stuff. Yeah. You don't have to dig very deep to realize yeah. that the poor suffer and the rich get richer. And and that has um exacerbated in this in this current situation. So let me let me keep going a little bit. So twenty pounds a week is the difference between breakfast and starting the day hungry. Yeah. Right? It's it's the difference between school clothes and children going out ill clad, no clothes. Yeah. Right? Food poverty is getting devastatingly worse, the Guardian says. It is, it is something that the reason I'm bringing it up today is because it doesn't affect me or you. Yeah. It doesn't affect probably a lot of people that are listening in, the, in, in that, I mean, that 20 pounds isn't being taken away from us a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what we do in, I've talked about this a lot, is if, is if it's not relatable to you, you don't really pay attention to it as much as you should. Yeah. We talked about that in terms of, um, uh, in terms of kind of uh, uh, how, how women um, have to um, fear for their lives in the way that men don't. And therefore I wasn't really engaging with it in yeah, the way yeah, I should, should yeah. have been. And I have come from humble beginnings as have you, right? Like yeah. it's not always been this way, but um, it's definitely not my life now compared to these people. And if we don't talk about it, and the reason we do this podcast and the reason I'm bringing it up is because I know people go and go, 
I wasn't thinking about that. Yeah. And so th that's why it's really important. But, but, but there's something else really around poverty, which is I think the media in particular paints those people on universal credit as scroungers, yeah. as not interested in working. But here's some stats on working in poverty. The proportion of um, people living in poverty who are working in a family has hit a record high. The Joseph Roundtree Foundation said that while paid employment reduces risk of poverty, about 56% of people living in poverty in 2018 were in, a, were in a household where at least one person had a job, compared with 39% 20 years ago. Yeah. So it isn't that they aren't working, it's just the way that this system is currently structured is the rich get richer yeah, and the poor go be beneath the poverty line. Yeah, yeah. But, you, but people say to them, well, they're scroungers, they're not working. They just want to, you know, take benefits. Yeah. And it's bullshit. Well, it is bullshit. And, and it is, this is what frustrates me because this is like, if you look at what's been going on, uh, you started off with the statistics of COVID over the last 18 months, right? We sort of fed this narrative all the time that we're in this together and we're sort of arguing amongst ourselves over like different little things that we should or shouldn't be doing. And it's still, nobody is talking about the fact that this is being, this is devastating the poor parts of us, the poorer parts of our society and the rich parts of our society are getting richer at a faster rate than ever off the back of this virus. And yet if you talk along that narrative, the greatest tool that those in power have got is that the very people that should be shouting and stomping about this are too busy shouting and stomping about who's wearing a mask or who's had the vaccine. Yeah. Because it's to been, look at this because stuff. it's been driven by the, the, exactly. the media to, to get to exactly get on that. Because they know that. Because if yeah. we can get people to focus on that, then no one's gonna look at how rich everybody's getting off the back of this. Yeah. Your man who was the health secretary who we used to slate all the time who Hancock. Yeah, he's run off into the sunset, rich as can be, off the back of this, and no one cares. No one cares. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's not just COVID. This is the same and this is the reality all the time. In everything that happens, the rich use it to get themselves richer. And you, I mean, look, when you even look at them in parliament over there, they're not social distancing and wearing masks and all of that. And it, they even in when they said, all right, we'll start making all the staff here wear masks, all the catering people there, but we ain't going to wear them. Yep. And that's just like a visual yep. of what they do. Them and us. Yeah. Let me read you one thing. Yeah. And um, conscious of time, but I'm going to read it to you because I think it's important. Stephen Bartlett, you know who he is? Yeah, I do, yeah. 242,000 followers on LinkedIn. He's BBC's newest dragon. He founded a, a, a marketing company called Social Chain and, you yeah. know, celebrated as a poster boy for entrepreneurialism. Yeah. And on the whole, he does do some good stuff. He's written some good stuff. But I saw a post of his today that really kind of made my blood boil a little bit. Right. And I want to know, just know what you think about it. His post said, and it may be a couple of days old, but he said, instead of dragging yourself out of bed today, hating life and pulling that bad attitude um, through the week with you, try reminding yourself how lucky you are to even have work and how lucky you are to be alive. Life gives grateful people even more grateful, uh, even more things to be grateful for. Oh, it's... it's it I posted one of his things on my social media fairly recently when he said, if it costs your mental health, then it's too expensive. I thought well, it was fucking easy for you to say, mate, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? A single parent reading that thinking my mental health is in the pits and I have to get up every day because I ain't got a choice. And it's that, it's, it's, it's BS. It's, it's absolute BS, virtual signaling, BS. I don't know. What do you want me to say about it? Yeah, no, no. That's no. I think the, the point I'm making is when people say mental health has no bias, it's absolutely bollocks, rubbish. It's not true, man. Yeah. It's not true. Exactly. And it's a, it, there was a little while back when uh, uh, Boris Johnson appointed a child's mental health secretary. I don't know if you remember it, a child's mental health ambassador, unpaid, by the way, just picked some guy up. Yeah. I think he'd been on Love Island or something like yeah. that. No, oh, he was the, the doctor. Do yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, they did this video together and it was all just about yeah, your mental health yeah, yeah. is like 
all your responsibility. And of course, there's things that other people can do. But, uh, you know, if you really look after yourself, then uh, your your mental health will be really good. And it's it's like, and that's, of course, that's the narrative that they want to get across because then they won't have to look at the social and economic factors that cause the mental health struggles that we, real mental health struggles, yeah? yeah. Not people's poor well-being, like when Stephen Bartlett's had a bad day and he wants to roll over in his bed. Well, well let me just say, I, I, I think Stephen Bartlett didn't have a silver spoon you know, in the beginning, right? Like yeah. he, he, he has worked and I don't know his story, but I think I recall something along those yeah. lines. But I think what's dangerous is when you do reach a level of that um, significant impact, 242,000 followers, you're going to be on BBC. You've got to be very, very careful of how you talk about stuff. Mm. You have to consider the wider implications of communications when you are uh, communicating at that scale. Um, he should be even more ashamed if he didn't grow up with a silver spoon. Yeah, Exactly. By the way. Because you really, really cannot just say to somebody, just be, feel lucky to have a job, especially when I've just gone through those stats. So I very deliberately went through it in that order. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so listen, you know, we're at the end and, you know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go into reasons to be cheerful. And, you know, this is, this is uncomfortable listening. And if you're feeling uncomfortable listening to this, good. Yeah. That's, that was my intention. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. And I think it's, it's such, it's such, I'm so glad that we've came to that point because this whole mental health don't discriminate stuff is just so dangerous. And it is dangerous. And I don't like using that word sort of, you know, too much. But it is because we have, like, we have to look, we can't look at men, people's mental health in isolation. You have to look at the social, economic impacts of all of it, right? And they're the biggest drivers of it. Because then people, then one in three kids that we're pushing into poverty, 10, 15 years down the line, we'll be talking about more police officers and more prisons, right? Because it's that's how we're going to deal with these young kids who have grown up into adults and they're on drugs and they're involved in crime, right? And nobody will go, well, hang on a minute. We pushed them all into poverty 10, 15 years ago. No one will do it. Mm. And then we'll all be, go, it'll be Men's Mental Health Day like it is next week. And we'll be going, why? I don't understand why they're mm. all killing themselves. Mm. And you think, well, one in three of them grew up in poverty. Mm probably fatherless or motherless or in a, f so, yeah. so, so you can't have these conversations. Oh, I don't know why they're so, I don't know what's going on. It's obvious. It's glaringly obvious that if in any country, if children are growing up one in three, and in fact, it's worse to grow up in poverty when you're looking online and people like Stephen Bartlett are telling you, you should be grateful for what you've got, right? That's worse than growing up in a country arguably, for your mental well-being, whatever you want to call it, where everybody admits we're in poverty, let's pull together and try and get through it. We live in a country where if you're in poverty, it's still your responsibility. Yeah. You know, we think we've got equal out. opportunities and all that crap. Yeah. You got me ranting. I, well, listen, well I, done. I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't apologize for bringing this topic. No, good. Because it's really, it's really important. And this is, this is you, if we don't talk about it on platforms like this, then mm. the, the media buries this shit, you know? Yeah. So anyway, on that note, reason to be cheerful. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go first because... Um, yeah, okay. I need to think of one. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, come on, mate. Um, no, my reasons to be cheerful is... Um, infectious enthusiasm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, um, so... There's, there's a notion that, you know, if you, um, smiling is infectious, right? So if yeah. you smile at somebody, um, providing you don't come across as a bit of a creepy old man, um, uh, they smile back at you. And um, I think the same thing goes with sort of giving out positive energy in the world. I think a big part of um, um, what happened for me that kind of made a breakthrough last week was somebody just inadvertently just gave me some really good energy. Yeah. And just kind of consciously, just unintentionally, just kind of went, oh, you need to take a bit of time. Mm. And um, and it was just really generous. And um, for me, uh, I sort of noticed a few other kind of moments where people are just giving infectious energy. And I try and do a lot of that in, in, in my life. So yeah. I, I'm just really grateful for people that pay it forward, but not even like intentionally, just doing it just by being good human beings and, and bringing great energy. So... Um, yeah, infectious energy. Infectious energy. I love it. Um, and I haven't come up with one. I'm not going to come up with some enough uh, reasons to be cheerful. I feel like I've let the side down a little bit with not well, having one. You have every, you have two weeks to kind of think about this, don't you? Yep. 
And I haven't. So this has been good. <laughs> and your reasons to be cheerful was a good way to finish. Listen, uh, I've enjoyed this conversation. I think it's very um, needed as well. Um, so hopefully, listen, in two weeks time, maybe we'll be back in the studio and I'll get to do my one from the studio. Instead. You did. So I've just re recalled this, that the last one we did, you led it. Oh, did I? How do you feel about that? You're really unprepared. <laughs> You're still on holiday mode, aren't you? Are you feeling overwhelmed a little bit at the moment? <laughs> um, uh, no, it, it really was um, uh, an enjoyable conversation. And, and I do, like, awkward, you know, uh, eye contact aside, it's, it's really, really fun doing it in the same space. Yeah. Top man. See you next time. Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Khan.